Good day, dear listeners. Steve Peda here with the Management Blueprint Podcast. And my guest today is Mark Bellin, the founder and principal of Search Lab that offers local SEO and paid media services to small and medium-sized businesses, combining large agency capabilities, but with the enhanced attention of a boutique firm. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, Steve. It's good to be on with you. Looking forward to this. Yeah, good to have you as well. And I'm all into exploring what new in the SEO and paid media world. But let's start with your journey. How did you end up founding an agency, a digital agency? What journey brought you to this point? It starts basically around the Great Recession. So I was interested in this kind of thing as a kid. I was used to trade baseball cards. I used to mow lawns. And so I've always gravitated toward this sort of thing. But really, I had a normal job. I was working at a company called Local Launch. I did well there. And during the Great Recession, we all were going to lose our jobs. So this was 2009. At that point, I founded my first agency, which was called Evolving Interactive, and worked there for eight years. Once for about five of those years, it was really good. And then I started to have a little bit more, I don't know, like complications in my personal life. So I got married. I started to have children and really wanted to do different things than the other founders of that company. It's a funny story. I went and gave notice on January 10th of 2017. And when I went home that day, my wife went into labor with my son. So I had given notice and had a baby within 24 hours. It was a momentous day in my life. And so at that point, I stuck around for a little while. But March 1st, 2017, I started Search Lab. A lot of that had to do with just really wanting to provide for my kids. And, and I was the, I'm the only owner of it. And, and so it was, it's been a great experience ever since. I, I think that there's a lot of things I'm leaving out there, Steve, but there's, that's the gist of it. Yeah, of course, any enterprise, there are ups and downs. And even when you're growing, you don't grow like this, you grow like this. And that's just the nature of the beast. But you figured out some things in this company based on what we discussed in our earlier pre-call. And one of the things that really grabbed my attention was your sales framework that you developed at SearchUp. Can you explain what that looks like and how do you work it? Sure. One of the things in my industry, there are a lot of conferences, trade shows, that, that sort of thing. And then there are niches within those trade shows. So it's conferences specifically for automobile dealerships or medical practices or whatever. And so I recognized pretty early on that that was the key. So like being on those stages and connecting with audiences would be a key to our growth. I was okay at getting on those stages, but I wasn't great. So I started to hire people who were really good at it. In particular, the first person we hired was Greg Gifford, who is like, well-known, speaks all over the world about SEO. And it worked just like I thought. I just As soon as he got on the stage, it was fine, but it was a problem because we, weren't, we were getting leads, but we needed to, to clean up our sales process. So at that point, we began hiring salespeople. And so basically the components are this. You have a speaker who presents at the conference. You're going to have a salesperson who's going to take leads from that conference and bring them through an orderly sales process. Oftentimes, we will, if not always, we will exhibit at those conferences. So we'll have a booth and we'll have an exhibit where, tra- where salespeople will look for people, they'll cultivate relationships and, and bring them through an early process. So what's interesting about us is our sales demonstrations are actually done by the product expert. So the people who are on the stage do that. But I'm pretty confident in saying, I don't think Greg has ever put a name into our CRM once. Like The salesperson does all the hard work actually negotiating the deal, getting it across the finish line. But the product expert does a lot of the sales demonstration, the facing, the client-facing stuff. 
And so what we've really evolved into now is we're going to be at something in the neighborhood of 30 conferences next year. We'll have a sales presence there. We'll have speakers at as many of those shows as we possibly can. And we're going to have three people on my team who a big part of their day-to-day life is to travel around and speak, present at conferences, to take people through an orderly sales process and, to, and then the salespeople close <clears throat> those deals. So that's pretty neat. So I know companies that attend conferences, but I never heard someone doing it in such a large scale. You have 30 conferences. It sounds like you're at most, are these specific niches that you're targeting or what is your approach? This happened, it was not super intentional, but it, it will make sense. One of our biggest verticals is in automobile, auto dealerships. So we work with, I don't know, like hundred something car dealerships. That's been a great vertical for us. And what happens is you do well for a car dealership, you perform well, they refer you business, you begin to get more fame on the conference stages and you get asked to more shows and it's taken on a life of its own. And so over this time, we were really interested in that. We'll speak at vertical-specific conferences like NADA or Digital Dealer are examples of that. We'll speak at large digital marketing conferences like SMX or PubCon. And we'll speak at, I don't know, at a whole bunch of what are called like 20 groups or smaller engagements with select mm-hmm. targets like automobile dealerships. That's awesome. So that's your main lead generation tool is the speaking and the conferences? Yeah, that's really what has done it. And to give you some sense of how well that's performed for us. So we were about like barely over $1 million in 2019 in my top line. And now this year will be like seven and a half million. So that's from 2019 to 2022. Been a very effective strategy for us. It's not the only thing we do, but it is by far our main focus is to try and be on conference stages. We have really good, the folks on my team who are really good at this, they're really good at educating. They can speak well, they can present. It's engaging the content that they do. And so... Not everybody in that audience is a client of ours, right? So you have to appeal to a lot of people who maybe never buy anything from you. And that's okay because there's enough people there that will become customers that it's worthwhile. And then getting on the stage, is it all about word of mouth and customer referrals or how do you get on the stages? So that's a great question. And obviously that's the hardest part, right? So mm-hmm. this is going to be a bit of a cop out, but the biggest thing is to have the right kind of people who are education focus. So they really just want to educate people. They're good at, they have presentation skills. And then from there, it becomes a matter of just pitching, just like anything else. It's, it's not rocket science. There's a speaker submission form for every conference you can think. At the beginning stages, you're going to have to get rejected a lot. It's just like sales. You're going to have to apply to 20 conferences to be accepted to one. Once you get that opportunity, though, Steve, it's really important that you nail it. And so when you're on the stage and you have a chance to show what you're capable of, you have to do a really good job because that should lead to more opportunities. You you perform well at a show, you get good scores from the audience, you'll be asked back to that conference. And very often that conference organizer is organizing another conference somewhere else. Becoming friends with the conference organizers is a good idea. That can really help. Make sure you're connected on LinkedIn. Make sure that you're, uh, we'll go out to dinner with them, stuff like that, and make sure that they remember who we are. But more than anything, if you're not, if you're not capable of giving a good presentation, then I wouldn't even try. Like it's going to, it's, you're, all this will be for naught. But if you're capable of giving a good presentation, go through that period of rejection and you know, you're going to get told no a lot. Take any opportunity you can to practice. But one of the things that I've seen people do is they'll start and they'll do the same talk a bunch of times that they'll start at like a regional show and they'll get a sense of how the talk does. And okay, that joke didn't really land or 
this one was funny. Maybe I'll go a little bit further next time. I'll take it from the regional show to, a, let's say, like a search marketing, fine-tune it even more. And then by the time you get to the vertical conference, the NADA, uh, the digital dealer, we've got to make a lot of money. That conference talk is really refined. It's really good. You've practiced it. And that's where you really need to shine. You need to be invited back to that conference. You need to work with the conference organizers to get into other shows. Yeah, that's great advice for speakers. I know I did, did that as well. I went to all the Rotary clubs, the <laughs> and all the Lions clubs, and they were absolutely not target market, but it was a good way to practice the speaking. And I go to the Vistage circuit and I went to those groups. And then you go from there, you get invited to conference. So that's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the SEO business. And I'm always fascinated with how things change. Obviously, Google is changing their methods and the way they the search words and all that stuff. But how is SEO evolving? How are you on the on the service side changing how you do SEO and pay-per-click advertising? What are the trends in the industry? Yeah, so the, it is a constantly changing industry. And we have to stay on our toes and make sure that we're on top of things. But in big ways, it doesn't change dramatically. But in the last couple of years, one of the things that has happened a lot is that Google has changed the SERP, so the search engine results page itself. If you look at, you Google the same term 2017 or 2018, and you do that same search today, the search engine results page will look different. It just will. So there's more features. And what Google is interested in is having a more immersive experience, so their term, immersive, where it used to be you would Google and they just want to get you off their site. They want you to click on another site and go. Now they're interested more in having you stay on that site. I'm a local SEO. And so this is that means I care about brick and mortar businesses or businesses that service a specific geographic area. Think mm-hmm. of the trades, right? Yep. And so for us, this has become a real this isn't super new, but it has become hugely important to take care of. Google Business Profile, which was formerly known as Google My Business, because when people search for you, all the information, all this pertinent information that Google has gathered will appear on the right side of the search engine results page in what's called the knowledge panel. <laughs> and so Mike Blumenthal, who's a famous local SEO, has coined the term Google is your new homepage. What we're finding and what has really changed in the last couple of years is that people are doing a search, they call it a zero-click search. So people are not clicking on a website. They'll do a search. They'll figure out what they wanted to figure out, and they will never visit a website. And so tracking and proving that you've provided some value to your clients has become more challenging because they never go. So things like your opening hours or busy periods or uh, what your phone number is, they don't ever have to go to your website anymore. So if that stuff is incorrect on Google and you're not taking care of this really important blocking and tackling work, you don't have specials during the COVID period, if you didn't have your COVID policies listed on Google, if you're not in the in Google business profile, you have an answers. If you're not answering those questions, if you're not responding to your reviews, then you are leaving opportunities at the door because people will simply not go to your website sometimes now. And so they're going to use the information that Google has to make a buying decision. Yeah. So, and so it's it's become more of an immersive experience. And then where I think it's going to go is even more down that rabbit hole. So for example, if you did a search today for hotels, you would see a very different SERP than you would if you searched for plumbers, for example, different than car dealers, different than, and so there's special features for verticals that I talk a lot about that are becoming more and more where I think Google is going to go because their interest is in having an immersive experience. It's not about you puddle jumping anymore. You land on Google and then you go somewhere else. They'd like to keep you, continue to serve you ads. 
They want to keep getting money, find new ways to serve you ads, and they want you to stay on their website for longer. Interesting. I certainly noticed that I ask a lot of questions on Google. Then the answers, the most likely answers, actually, you just open up a little window and you can just read it there. You don't even have to leave. And I don't like to leave because I want to look at the other answer and the next <laughs> answer and not to be clicking back and forth. But it's yeah. really good awareness to have that I am treated like that as well. And my content, I was wondering that these guys create that great content that shows up on the Torah page and I don't even know where this came from. Right. Just get the answer and don't even have to engage with the creator of that content. That's yeah. kind of uh, disappointing for the people who, who created that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that, that is interesting. So what are the success factors of a successful pay-per-click program? What should people be doing? Yeah, so pay-per-click, I think, is more straightforward. It's, it is it is really about, for every dollar you put into it, you should get $3 out. And so it's it's more cold, it's more practical, it's more mathematics-oriented. Our our director of PVC, who's like a huge deal in the industry, was a math major in college. It's that side of your brain a little bit more. You still have to write ed copy, you still have to do some creative work. But for me, really what I want to know is how much did I spend and how many leads did I get for that spend? And then how many leads, how much did it cost per lead? So what's my return on ad spend? That's the whole name of the game. And there's a lot of things that we're going to do to try and improve that. There are things with it that are native to Google. Google is becoming more, having more automated ad features these days, which I don't always like. But really, at the end of the day, what we're talking about, this is a business decision, right? If I'm not, if you're spending money with search lab and with Google, and we're not turning your money into more upper, more business opportunities for you, then we shouldn't be working together, right? We wouldn't deserve your money. So at the end of the day, it's a return on ad spend world. What are those desirable actions? Are you looking for phone calls, chats, web forms? We can have a discussion about that. But at the end of the day, how much is that form worth for? How much is that conversion worth to you? And how much are you willing to spend to get one? And if we're aligned on those goals, then making sure that as long as we're under your target and you're getting a good return on ad spend, it leads to a very happy, long relationship with the advertiser. So what does a good return represent? So is it like 20%, 50%, 200%? I just had a, a conversation with a, one of my guests who is running a firm, a direct mail agency, and they can get a 13x return. on So what constitutes a good return for someone's advertising, given also the risk of maybe that's not repeating or not being sustainable? So I'll give you the same thing that I use internally. So I'm also a business owner. So we have our own advertising, and this is exactly what I do. So it's, it's the way I look at anything that I'm not getting three times return is not worth it. If I'm getting a two to one return, it's just not worth it because the opportunity cost isn't there. Anything that's five times or better, I consider fine. It's good. Generally, anything above five X is considered very good. I'd be, I'd be willing to invest more money in that. But three to one is, is about as low. Anything lower than three, three times, you're, I just I don't see how I could be spending that money better. These are just like the same way you would think about investments. I think about allocation of advertising dollars. Yeah. There is some truth to the fact like PBC won't, it's not a light switch, you just turn it on and then all of a sudden you're getting money, but it is more quick than SEO. So like in month one, you, I tell clients like expectation setting in month one, you may lose money. In month two, we're looking to break even. And by month three and onward, this thing should be something that makes you money or else, or else let's stay friends. And like, we don't need to be, we don't need to have a relationship because you could do better elsewhere if we're not doing that. But 
fortunately, our retention in PBC is really strong because we do deliver good ROAS. What I heard from some people is that SEO works for certain types of businesses. For example, local SEO is definitely something that is more engineerable, if that is a verb. Whereas SEO for some businesses like business-to-business type businesses, consulting, is harder to make profitable. Is this true? That's probably true. I would need more examples. For the industries that we work with, it's very beneficial. What I would suggest, if somebody wanted to learn more about this, is you can easily, you probably have analytics onto your website. How are you getting leads today? I would venture a guess that you're probably getting leads from people who are finding you organically on a search engine or unless you have a huge PPC budget. And so it becomes something where it's almost like you have to take care of the basics no matter what. It's just, it's just so important because this has replaced, for local businesses, this has completely replaced the yellow page. This has completely replaced print as the place for people to, to find local businesses. And I would say there may be examples where SEO doesn't matter as much. I know people who don't really care about their website, like entrepreneur friends of mine, something like that's just not their thing. But for many, if not most small businesses, you neglect your organic search at your own peril. It really is where the competition is happening. And if people are trying to decide, are they going to buy from your business or competitor's business? Chances are they're going to go to Google and they're going to get on there and start to look up things and start to do some searches. It may not be for everything, but chances are, more times than not, that's how their behavior is going to work. So is this a matter of having something that's a major category where people have the awareness that they have to search for that category. So plumbing is an obvious one. When my toilet is clogged, I look for a plumber, right? Yeah, it's really obvious. And the, and I want someone local because I don't want to wait for a week. It's not worse than for anyone to come from a distance. So it's going to be a local plumber. I put in plumbing. That's, that's simple. But what if it's like business coaching? There are so many different business coaches. How do you search for that? Or how do you... Yeah. Into the mind of, of the person searching, what are the search words that you're gonna give to them, and you know how local have to be they have to be. So, how do you see that? Yeah, so a lot of this is what you're gonna do some research, right? You're gonna like actually look at how are consumers working to find services like you provide. So, if you're a business coach, chances are you could use tools, you could use Google itself, and you can find out a long list of words. In top, that are topically related that people are using to find your product. Okay, you can use a PPC campaign if you want to augment that research. Mm-hmm. So you get real data about exactly how people are searching. And I'm not just talking about the last search that they do, like business coach near me. Think about how do I know if I need a business coach? What's a the benefit of an EMIT coach versus a EOS coach? Those sorts of questions. Now, once you know those terms and they're topically re- related, you'd want to create content around those pages. So what you, you if you have a page, it's like, what's the difference between an EOS coach and an EMIT coach? You have the best page on the World Wide Web about that. Google should rank your page high on the search engine results page. And now you're at the you're in the middle of the funnel there. That person hasn't isn't bought from you yet, but they have been introduced to your brand. You can start a marketing funnel at that point. So you can start to serve them remarketing ads. You could start maybe have them sign up for a newsletter and now you have their email address and you can start to serve them email marketing. But the point is without traffic, there is no hope. So you're going to need to start by creating content that people will start to land on your site. It can be informational content. And as you take them through an orderly marketing funnel, 
um, you get closer and closer to getting a client. So there are ways that this can work. Where I find the danger question, I was trying to think of something where I think SEO doesn't work as well. One of the things that's really hard is like a brand new idea. So if you have an app for something that no one's ever heard of before, it's hard, right? Like that, because generally speaking, what Google does well is you have an idea of what you want, it's going to give it to you. But in the case of some brand new app that nobody's ever heard of, you need to make the public aware of that. SEO doesn't do that as well. It's, there's other channels that I would probably, other levers I would probably push, pull on from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. So first you have to figure out the keywords. You generate the questions that answer or that include those keywords and that yeah. are likely being asked. And then you create content to answer those questions. Yep. And then you channel it to, into a funnel. That's a pretty, it's, that's a multi-step process. It's pretty elaborate. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty elaborate. Yeah, but that's the idea. People think there's a misnomer about how people search. So people think you search for a Jeep dealer near me and then you get, uh, you get your car and that's that. But really, Google found in a study that people did 66 searches before they bought a car. So they did 66 times the average person. There's one story of somebody who did some impossible number of searches with one or 300 searches or something before they ended up buying a car. What happens a lot is you are going through that awareness phase. You're trying to figure out what's the right kind of car for me? What are the options out there? At every step of the way, as SEOs, we want to connect with that customer. PBC is totally different. PBC, I want to get you when you're about to buy, you're ready to buy, and I want to be the last click that you have usually because it's just too expensive. But with SEO, I want to get you at any phase of your buying journey and then take you through a process because I can, it, once you're on the site, we can make all kinds of decisions. We can serve you remarketing ads. We can do, we can, we can have easy, easy calls to action on the site to get you to sign up for newsletters or anything like that. Test drives, everything like that. So it, as long as you're on the site, we can start this kind of marketing machine, but without the traffic, there's no hope. Yeah. Okay, that's super, super valuable context for this whole exercise of, of being seen on the internet. It's not about pushing, it's about pulling and how do they even recognize me and what is the thought process. It's reverse engineering the buyer journey so that they get into their heads. What are they going to, the steps that they're going to take to get here and how do we build out our infrastructure to serve them along the way? It's pretty cool. But before we wrap up here, I'd like to ask you about your podcast you have a podcast called suits yes. and search so why did you start this podcast and how does it help your business so i'm glad you asked thank you so suds and search is it's my favorite thing i do i started this agency our office was located in a neighborhood in chicago called north center so basically what my neighborhood was microbreweries and agencies and that was it it was just startups like me and a bunch of microbreweries around there. So after work, you could go get a beer and you would run into, there's like an expert at content marketing or web development or something like that. We'd have great conversations, as you can imagine. We're talking about our work. We're in the early stages of starting companies. And so we're just full of passion. And you have a couple of beers and you have a really lively conversation. And I thought, if we could have a show about these conversations I would like to watch that show. I think that would be a good show. So that's how we started out. We would go to the pubs and, and breweries near my neighborhood. We'd ask them if they could. They usually look nice. So they, we would have a video component to it. And we would sit in those breweries, have a couple of beers and talk about 
whatever that guest was really good at. And that was going swimmingly until COVID. And then all the breweries were closed. <laughs> and so we had to, I like sad, I had no show, but uh, fortunately, Greg, Greg, who I mentioned earlier, said, look, this is a blessing. We could do these over Zoom. We'll keep having beers. So there's a little bit of a tribute to the place where we were, but we can scale this a lot easier over Zoom. I talk to people all over the world. So that's exactly what I've done. I've talked to people in many different countries. Talked, if I had a list of all the people in SEO and PBC who I wanted to talk to at the beginning, I've gone through all of them. It's been, it's over a hundred episodes now, and it's a very popular and I think meaningful podcast. I'm really proud of it. And we're going to keep going for a while here. So it's been a labor of love for sure. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's awesome. And it's a thematic one as well. Lots of podcasts, they are just talking about general experiences and not have a theme, but I love it that you have the search as a theme. So anyone who wants to immerse themselves into the search world, then it's a great place to start. So do check out Suds and Search with Mark Bellin and also where else can People find out about what SearchLab does, what you do. How can they connect with you? Yeah, thank you. So we're we're very active. My company is very active on all the major social media platforms, in particular, Twitter and LinkedIn are my personal preferences. That's usually where I go. Facebook and Instagram are more for my kids and my personal life. Twitter and LinkedIn are my business outlets. On our company blog, every single week, we have a video series that comes out on Tuesdays from Greg called Local Search Tuesdays. They're very short, three to five minute clips about something going on in the industry. And then my video series comes out on Thursdays, Suds and Search, which we talked about. I would appreciate anybody who would subscribe to those two things. And we're all over. We usually promote, if you're interested in attending any of these conferences or where we're going to be, we usually do promote what conferences we're going to be on our social media. And so I'd love to see you at a show or anybody who's watching, see you at a show or talk to you online. We're, I just love talking to businesses. And so anything I can do, I'd be happy to help. That's awesome. But definitely check it out. Mark obviously knows his stuff around search. Like it or not, we all have to learn it. That's the future. It's not going to go away. So you just better embrace it and get better at it. Myself included. I'm, I have to give myself a pep talk on this one as well. Yeah. So Mark, thanks for coming. So Mark Berlin, the founder and principal of Search Lab. So check him out, check his company out. And if you like the conversation, then you can find the transcript on mbppod.com. It stands for Management Blueprint, so mbppod.com. You can find the show notes, past episodes, future episodes. And if you'd like a custom business operating for your business, then visit stevepreda.com and you can download my books and get your test your company as well, the survey, a journey assessment. So thank you for tuning in and stay tuned for another exciting entrepreneur coming up in a couple of days. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Steve.